Luke 21, 5 through 38. Luke 21, 5 through 38. And while some were speaking of the temple, how it was adorned with noble stones and offerings, he said, as for these things that you see, the days will come when there will not be left here one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. And they asked him, teacher, when will these things be? And what will be the sign when these things are about to take place? And he said, see that you are not led astray. For many will come in my name saying, I am he and the time is at hand. Do not go after them. And when you hear of wars and tumults, do not be terrified, for these things must first take place, but the end will not be at once. Then he said to them, nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be great earthquakes and in various places famines and pestilences, and there will be terrors and great signs from heaven. But before all this, they will lay their hands on you and persecute you, delivering you up to the synagogues and prisons, and you will be brought before kings and governors for my name's sake. This will be your opportunity to bear witness. Settle it, therefore, in your minds, not to meditate beforehand how to answer. For I will give you a mouth and wisdom which none of your adversaries will be able to withstand or contradict. You will be delivered up even by parents and brothers and relatives and friends, and some of you they will put to death. You will be hated by all for my name's sake, but not a hair of your head will perish. By your endurance, you will gain your lives. But when you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, then know that its desolation has come near. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains and let those who are inside the city depart and let not those who are out in the country enter it for these are days of vengeance to fulfill all that is written. Alas for women who are pregnant and for those who are nursing infants in these days for there will be great distress upon the earth and wrath against this people. They will fall by the edge of the sword and be led captive among all nations and Jerusalem will be trampled underfoot by the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled. And there will be signs and sun and moon and stars and on the earth distress of nations in perplexity because of the roaring of the sea and the waves, people fainting with fear and with foreboding of what is coming on the world for the powers of the heavens will be shaken and then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Now when these things begin to take place, straighten up and raise your heads because your redemption is drawing near. And he told them a parable. Look at the fig tree and all the trees. As soon as they come out in leaf, you see for yourselves and know when the summer is already near. So also when you see these things taking place, you know that the kingdom of God is near. Truly I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all has taken place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. But watch yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness and cares of this life, and that day come upon you suddenly like a trap. For it will come upon all who dwell on the face of the whole earth. But stay awake at all times, praying that you may have strength to escape all these things that are going to take place and to stand before the Son of Man." And every day he was teaching in the temple. But at night he went out and lodged on the mount called Olivet. And early in the morning all the people came to him in the temple to hear him. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for um, the kindness of Jesus in this... um, sermon that he gives, in this discourse that he gives. 
We pray that we would learn from it this morning. That we would learn what you have for us from your word. Uh, we pray that you would, you would help us towards that end. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Alright, so we've got a lot. We have a lot to cover this morning. Um, and I've got a little bit of a, a head cold, but it's okay. I brought my Paw Patrol um, Kleenexes. In case, in case any sort of snot emergency arises, I'm good. I got chase and rubble and whatever. It's all going to be okay. There are times um, when Jesus is very fatherly. Um, there's a, there's, there are times when Jesus calls his followers, his little children, little children, he says to them. And he's very, he's very fatherly in a lot of ways. Um, Isaiah, in that pretty famous um, Christmas prophecy um, that we like to read around around Christmas time, says uh, says that Jesus is going to be the everlasting Father. He's going to be the wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Prince of Peace, everlasting Father. And we know that Jesus isn't the Father, right? We know that God the Father is the Father. And we know that Jesus is God the Son. But we also know what Isaiah is talking about there. He He means that oftentimes... Jesus shows us what it's like to be a good father. Um, I, I want to be a, a good father. Right? And, and one of the things that's been just coming down hard on me lately as far as what it means to be a good father, one of the things I've been sort of wrestling with is I want my children to be ready for the future. To be ready for when I'm not um, there to say, no, don't do that, do this instead. I want my children to be ready for the future, for what comes next. And that's what Jesus is doing for his followers here. Jesus is saying, when this happens, here's what you do. When, when this happens, here's what you do. It's kind of like me telling my daughters, um, someday, some idiot guy, is going to ask you out. Here's what you do. You say no. You say no, my dad doesn't like you. It doesn't matter who it is. It does that, that that's irrelevant. No. So I'm getting them ready for the future. Very kind of me. Shockingly, Jesus is much better at this than than I am. Jesus knows what's coming. Now he doesn't he doesn't give us all of the details, but he knows what's coming down the pike at us. And he knows exactly how his followers should respond. So as we, as we look at the words of Jesus here, what we're going to notice is that some of what Jesus is saying, when Jesus says, here's what's going to happen, some of it has already happened. It's the, it's the uh, destruction of Jerusalem that happened in AD 70. It happened like 1950 years ago. So some of it happened long ago. Some of it still hasn't happened yet. The return of the Son of Man has not happened. The, the, the return of Jesus to punish the wicked and rescue His people, the, to, to bring us into eternal life and to, and to sentence his, his, the, all those who have rejected Him to eternal punishment, that hasn't happened yet. But... All of what Jesus says here 
is good and necessary for all of His followers. The followers who lived through the destruction of the temple 1,950 years ago, the followers who lived through the Reformation in the 1600s, the followers who lived through persecution in the 1900s, His followers who are being persecuted right now around the world, His followers who will be alive on earth when He returns, His words are good and necessary for all of us, not just us in this room today, but all of our ancestors and any and all who might come after us. Jesus is saying to us, when this happens, when this comes, here's how you can be ready. We have, we're going to look at four points this morning in the sermon. Jesus is going to take us aside and He's going to say four things to us this morning. He's going to say, when trouble comes, keep your head. When persecution comes, surrender your head. When Jesus comes, raise your head. And when temptation comes, bow your head. We're going to go through those one by one. Number one, Jesus says to us, when trouble comes, keep your head. Starting in verse 5, and while some were speaking of the temple, how it was adorned with noble stones and offerings, he said, as for these things that you see, the days will come when there will not be left here one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. So Jesus has already talked about this with, with just in public. He's already publicly said stuff like this a couple of times. Um, and, and here, he again, he's teaching in public, and he's teaching really in the shadows of the temple. The temple is right there, and Jesus is saying, you, you, yeah, it's nice looking, it's all going to be destroyed. That would have been so hard for the people there to understand and to believe. Because the, the temple was... It might have been at that time, and it wasn't even done being completed. It wasn't wasn't done being built yet. At that time, it was probably the biggest building in the entire world. It was one of the biggest buildings in the entire world. If it wouldn't have been destroyed, it would have been been right up there with the other wonders of the ancient world. It was huge. It was massive, and it was beautiful. they've, uh, They've said that just one of the blocks of the foundation of the temple was over 40 feet high and it weighed over 400 tons. Just one block is huge. And it was beautiful. It was impossible for them to understand, especially those who who knew it was the temple of God. It was so hard for them to understand that this could be destroyed. And so whenever Jesus talked about this, the people got panicky. They got jumpy, they got nervous, they got edgy because they thought, well, if the temple is being destroyed, that means that's the apocalypse, that's the end of the world. I mean, if the temple is being destroyed, then the end is certain to come right then. So they're kind of panicky in verse 7. Teacher, when will these things be? What will be the sign when these things are about to take place? When is this going to happen? Tell us! But Jesus says, calm down. Don't lose your head. Trouble is definitely going to come, but just because there's a lot of trouble doesn't necessarily mean that the temple is about to fall. Verse 8, And He said, See that you are not led astray. 
For many will come in my name, saying, I am he, and the time is... So there's many false Christs, this is what Jesus is saying. False messiahs are going to come, uh, they're going to they're fill the landscape, and then other people are going to say, the time is at hand. Jesus says, do not go after them. And, and when you hear of wars and tumults in verse 9, do not be afraid. Do not be terrified. For these things must first take place. But the end will not be at once. Then he said to them, nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be great earthquakes and in various places famines and pestilences and there will be terrors and great signs from heaven. And so there's debate. Uh, there's a there's a lot of if you guys have studied the Olivet Discourse in any Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John or Matthew, Mark, or Luke, you, you know there's a lot of debate on a lot of what Jesus says here. And so you know there's a, there's a little bit of a question: Is Jesus talking when he says all of this, all of these wars and earthquakes, all of this is going to happen before the? Is he saying before the the destruction of the temple? Is that what he's mostly talking about, or is he or is he now just talking about before the end of the world? It depends on which brilliant scholar you ask. Um, I, I think, verses 8 through 11, I think he's mostly talking there about the destruction of the temple. And we'll see in a second why I think that. But um, I've been wrong once or twice before, so it's possible. But either way, the point here is clear. And the point is good for all of us. The point is clear. When trouble comes, keep your head. Don't be terrified. Don't be panicky. Because panicky people get led astray. When people panic, they start to believe foolish things. When people forget that God is in control, they start to believe foolish things. Verse 9 says, he says, do not be terrified, for these things must first take place. These things are ordained by God. They must happen. God's in control. You see, you see wars. You see earthquakes. You see famines. You see all kinds of craziness. For one thing, you know, turn off the news. Take, take small doses of the news. Just, I'm telling you, it's good for your sanity. But the other thing, don't panic. Yes, before Jerusalem was destroyed, there was all kinds of wars and, and trouble um, in the Roman world. All kinds of, all kinds of chaos in the Roman world the, the years leading up to, to Jerusalem's destruction in A.D. 70. And yes, before Jesus returns, returns, we are told wars and trouble are going to increase all the more. Jesus says, don't panic. Panicky people believe stupid things. When trouble comes, don't lose your head. Don't be terrified. It's the first thing Jesus says. When trouble comes, don't lose your head. So many times, this is one of those moments where I decide, this, and I just make a judgment call. Um, the sermon's going to be too long anyhow, so I might as well just make the most of it. I just, I've just made that mental call in my head, so you guys are going to live with the consequences. Um, but so many times, um, and I'm, I'm almost 41 now, so I have experience. I can talk about these things. Um, so many times, I've, I've just kind of just been trying to encourage 
someone um, and sort of help them disbelieve some of the foolishness that they've believed and, and turn back to the truth of the Word of God. So many times as humans, we get off on the wrong track and we start, we start believing foolish things and we start doing foolish things is because we're afraid. We're afraid. We forget that God is in control. God has told us in His Word, trouble is coming. Trouble is coming. It's going to happen. Jesus has said to us, in this world, you will have trouble. Let's not be surprised. Let's not be terrified. Let's not be panicky. Let's not lose our head. So many times, we can draw a, 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 a straight line from someone just kind of going off the deep end into, into just making very bad moral decisions or, or making um, very bad um, theological decisions, just kind of losing their grip. They, we can trace that in a straight line back to just being afraid. Afraid. Trouble came and so they panicked. Let's know trouble is coming. Let's not be terrified. Panicky people believe foolish things. So that's the first thing. When trouble comes, don't lose your head. Number two, when persecution comes, surrender your head. So we're going from don't lose your head to if you need to, give it up. It's fine. Verses 12 through 19. But before all this, they will lay their hands on you and persecute you, delivering you up to the synagogues and prisons, and you will be brought before kings and governors for my name's sake. And so that, that right there, that but before all this, that makes me think that verses 8-11 through 11 was, a, was really about the, the destruction of Jerusalem. Because then as we work our way like through the book of Acts, we see a lot of what Jesus is saying here come to pass in the book of Acts. We see a lot of believers being dragged before synagogues and prisons, before, or before kings and governors and tossed in, in prisons. And we, we've seen a lot. We see a lot of this in the book of Acts. So what I'm thinking here is that, again, we're still sort of, sort of leading up to the destruction of Jerusalem, the destruction of the temple. And we see a lot of this in the book of Acts. But also we know by just reading church history and, and by being aware of what's happening around the world right now, we know that Jesus' followers have faced this kind of stuff for the last 2,000 years. It didn't end with the destruction of the temple. And it's not going to end until the Son of Man returns in glory. We know that His people are going to face persecution right up until... The end. So how much persecution are you going to face in your life for standing with Jesus? Are you going to be... I mean, is the, is the government... Is your government going to turn against you and make, what, make standing with Jesus a capital crime? Like in your lifetime, will that happen? I don't know. I don't know. Perhaps the, 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 the difficulty that you will face in following Jesus will be less severe than that, less physical than that. We don't know. But we have the, we have the kindness, the wisdom of, of Jesus for, 
for us here, no matter what kind of persecution we might face. And this gives us great hope for our brothers and sisters in Christ around the world that, 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 their, that, their, that their endurance is not in vain. And that if we ever have to endure in that way, it will not be in vain. See, Jesus' wisdom to us is way better than my fatherly wisdom to my children. For one thing, Jesus knows, He knows what's going to happen. He says, says, heaven and earth will pass away. My words will not pass away. If I've said it, then it's going to happen. And so if, if Jesus is the kind of person who can say to us, if I've said it, it's going to happen, then then when he says, here's how to be ready for it, we better listen. So that's one reason Jesus' fatherly wisdom is way better than mine. But another reason that Jesus' wisdom is, is much better is because Jesus can do far more than, than you and I can do. Because Jesus, in the moment, helps us. Jesus says, here's what you have to do. And don't be afraid, in the moment I will be with you. I will give you strength. I will give you wisdom. I will, I will use the words that you speak to bear witness of me. So when we are mocked or we are interrogated or we are marginalized, when we are persecuted, this isn't a setback. It's part of Jesus' plan to bear witness to himself. It's a, it's an opportunity. It's part of the, it's part of the plan. So Jesus says to his followers, if needed, surrender your head. If standing with Jesus means that you are persecuted, you still stand with Jesus. If if standing with Jesus means that you are executed, you stand with Jesus. Because even if your enemies take your head, they cannot touch your hair. Did you see that? Verses 16-19. through at first I thought, maybe I won't go bald. My dad went bald. My older brothers went bald. Maybe, maybe I'll be... No, that's not what we're talking about here. That was a, a couple of seconds of hope. Verse 18 says, But not a hair of your head will perish. I think hairs on my head have perished even while I'm preaching the sermon this morning. I am... I am going bald before your very eyes. That's not what Jesus is talking about. Jesus says in verse 16, some of you they will put to death. Verse 18, but not a, head of, but not a hair of your head will perish. How do both those things work? How is that possible? Jesus is going to protect you even through death. Even if you die, Jesus is going to protect you. Jesus is going to watch over you even through death. That's what verse 19 is saying. By your endurance, you will gain your lives. That lives is too, it's too weak. You don't, it's, it's, it's really hard to translate what Luke originally said there, but it, it's more like souls. It's not just lives. It's more like souls. What, what, what Jesus is saying is you will, you will gain your eternal life. By your endurance, you will gain eternal life. 
So some of you will be put to death. All of you are going to die one way or another. But if you are with Jesus, He will protect you even through death. This is what Jesus gives us in His Gospel. Eternal life. We've heard it a billion times, but let's hear it one more time really quickly this morning. Jesus died for your sin. You have sinned against God. I have sinned against God. I am so bad that someone needed to die to pay for it. And if someone doesn't die to pay for it, I am sentenced to hell forever. That's who I am. That's who you are. So when we believe that Jesus died for our sins, what we're saying is we deserve hell, but we have been completely forgiven. And since I don't have any more sin to pay for, since Jesus paid for all of my sin, I won't have to suffer any hell at all. I will live forever with Him. So I will die in this life. But Jesus will protect me even through death and bring me to eternal life with Him. And so this is good news for us. Because maybe you won't have to Surrender your head in this life. Maybe, maybe following Jesus will never mean decapitation for you. It has meant that for many, many, many believers through the years. But maybe it won't mean that for you. But even... But I, I think that there are quite a few of us who could say, and maybe persecution has nothing to do with it necessarily, But I think many of us could say it hurts to serve Jesus. Standing with Jesus has been hard for me. It has, it has brought up, it has, it has made my anxiety worse. It's made my relationships more difficult. It's left me with a little less, or maybe a lot less money than I would have had otherwise. I've lost. I've lost. Physically, it's been a net loss to follow Jesus. Financially, emotionally, it's been a net loss to follow Jesus. We have We have battles within that no one knows about. And so we have to win those battles just to have pleasant conversation with people sometimes. And then, and then to, and to ratchet up the courage to stir one another up to good works. We have to, we have to win even more battles inside of ourselves. Overcome all kinds of shame and fear and frustration. And then on the end of it, we may lose friendships, lose relationships. It may feel like we're standing with Jesus by ourselves. And then we get angry with ourselves for feeling self-righteous. And our inner battles start up again. 
it can be a never-ending thing. I don't know if you're going to be physically persecuted for standing with Jesus. But Jesus has promised us, no matter what, standing with Him will take its toll on you. It will. It will. If you are hopeful that, that, that following Jesus is going to make your present life easier or, 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 or better in some way, that it's going to take away some of your pain, some of your physical pain, some of your emotional pain, if you think following Jesus is going to make this life easier, then we have to read our Bibles again. Jesus hasn't promised us that stuff. He's promised us something way better, which is eternal life with Him forever. This is what helps us when life gets difficult to be fine with even and up to surrendering our head. When persecution comes, surrender your head. That's the second thing Jesus has for us. A lot of that stuff I just said wasn't in my notes. My notes were already long. I told you, made a judgment call. You're going to be here for a while. We're halfway through the sermon. So, if you need tissues, I've got them. Alright, number three. When Jesus comes, raise your head. When Jesus comes, raise your head. Starting in verse 20. But when you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies. So now I think what's happening here, what I think is happening here, if I'm, if I'm, if I'm tracking the timeline correctly, I think what's happening here is, is Jesus is now giving them the answer to their question back in verse 7. They said, when is this going to happen? When is, Jesus, when is Jerusalem going to be destroyed? When is, when is the temple going down? Tell us, Jesus. And now I think he's now getting to that answer. He's saying, but when you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, then know that its desolation has come near. It's not just because you're being persecuted, and it's not just because you hear about wars happening elsewhere. It's not just because you hear about earthquakes. But... When you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, then know that its desolation has come near. And, and this is going to be horrifying judgment. This is going to be vengeance. This is God judging Jerusalem for rejecting His Son. And it is going to be ugly. Verse 21, Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. And let those who are inside the city depart. And let, and let not those who are out in the country enter it. Don't come anywhere near the city because it's going to get ugly. For these are days of vengeance to fulfill all that is written. Alas for women who are pregnant and for those who are nursing infants in those days. For there will be great distress upon the earth and wrath against this people. They will fall by the edge of the sword and be led captive among all nations. And Jerusalem will be trampled underfoot by the Gentiles until the time of the Gentiles are fulfilled. God is going to bring judgment on the city that has rejected His Son. It is going to be awful. Get out of town. Vengeance is coming. When you see the armies surrounding Jerusalem, you leave. You get out of there. Vengeance is coming. And then... In verse 25, Jesus turns His focus to when He returns. And there will be signs in sun and moon and stars and on the earth distress of nations in perplexity because of the roaring of the sea and the waves, people fainting with fear and with foreboding of what is coming on the world. For the powers of the heavens will be shaken. 
And then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Now when these things begin to take place, straighten up and raise your heads because your redemption is drawing near. This is Jesus helping us to to see the two-edged sword. When Jesus speaks like this, when he, when he speaks like this of the destruction of Jerusalem, and we see the way he's talking, the destruction of Jerusalem was just a small picture. It was just a small template of what the, or what the final judgment is going to be like. What the, what the final judgment is going to be like. It is going to be horrific when the Son of Man returns. The Son of Man is going to come and it is going to be a, a two-edged sword. It is going to be punishment for those who have rejected Him. It is going to be punishment that, that when you think about like the, 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 the destruction of Jerusalem, that, that's going to pale in comparison to the judgment that's coming on the last day. But if you belong to Jesus... Then, then that two-edged sword means your redemption. Your Savior is coming. When you and I think about the end of the world, if, if we belong to Jesus, if, if when we think about the judgment that is coming, when we think about what it means for the, for the Son of Man to judge the living and the dead, when we think about that, it doesn't have to be horrifying for us. His coming, it is incredibly sobering because we all have people we care about who are on the other side of this. We all have people we care about that when the Son of Man returns, um, it is going to be holy and righteous judgment upon them because they have rejected the Gospel. And so this is incredibly sobering. But if you have believed the Gospel, then you have nothing to fear from final judgment. You have nothing to fear from standing in front of Jesus. If you stand with Jesus now, you will be able to stand before Him then. Is Jesus Christ your only hope in life and death? Is is His death on the cross your only hope to be forgiven of your sins? Is His glorious resurrection your only hope for eternal life? Is He your Savior? Is He your King? Are you going to stand with Him, come what may? Then raise up your head. Don't cower in fear. Don't press the panic button. Are we living in the last days? Paul was, so I assume we are too. Paul talked as if he was. And we're not getting further away from the last days. I think we're just getting deeper into the last days. And there's a lot of stuff that's troubling. You look around, there's a lot of stuff that's troubling. Paul says in 2 Timothy 3, these last days there will come times of difficulty for people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful and holy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. If you look at the news, 
You look at the wars, you look at the tumults, you look at the, 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 the pestilence. And then you just look around. And yep, we're headed for the end. The end is coming. This is a two-edged sword. This is incredibly scary for, for those who have rejected Christ. Running to the mountains won't do them any good. There's no escape. If, you, if, if Jesus isn't your Savior, if He's not your King, running to the mountains will do you no good. He is going to bring horrific punishment upon you. But if He is your Savior and King, raise up your head. He is your redemption. When trouble comes, keep your head. When persecution comes, if you need to, surrender your head. When Jesus comes, raise your head. And finally, when temptation comes, bow your head. Starting in verse 29, we've almost worked our way through the entire passage here. And he told them a parable. Look at the fig tree and all the trees. And as soon as they come out in leaf, you see for yourselves and know that the summer is already near. So also, when you see these things taking place, you know that the kingdom of God is near. Truly, I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all has taken place. And there's a, there's a controversy over this. There's a lot of theories on what he meant there. But we know what he means in 33. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. The temple is not safe, Jesus says to his followers. The ground you stand on is not safe. The sky above you is not safe. All of that is going. But my words will not pass away. My my words will stand firm. My words are trustworthy, come what may. Jesus is saying to these followers, He's saying, "You, you guys know when... You know when summer is coming. You can tell by looking at the leaves. Oh, it's about time for summer. Jesus says, you'll, you'll know. You'll know when the end is near. You'll be able to tell. It's going to be incredibly clear. And I think what he means in verse 32 when he says, truly I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all has taken place. I think Jesus is talking about the generation who sees the signs happening. When he, when, when the, the generation who sees it start, they're going to be the generation that's there when it's over because it's going to happen quick. It's going to happen quick. The fig trees come out in leaf and it's summertime. You see these signs. You see these cosmic signs. We're about done. So I think here Jesus is talking about the second coming. When it starts to happen, it's going to happen fast. But now, until then, you and I, Jesus' disciples 2,000 years ago, are, are, are for us right now. Until then. You and I, here's what Jesus wants us focused on. Verse 34, But watch yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness and cares of this life. And that day come upon you suddenly like a trap. Here's what it means to be ready for the end. Here's what it means to be ready to stand before Jesus. 
Here's what it means. For it will come upon all who dwell on the face of the whole earth. But stay awake at all times, praying that you may have strength to escape these things that are going to take place and to stand before the Son of Man. Jesus says, watch yourselves. Don't spend a lot of time watching the news, watching the signs. Don't spend a lot of time trying to decipher this and that and the other thing. People ask me, do you think all this Russia stuff means that Jesus is coming back soon? I know. Or yes, maybe. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not an expert. But I do know that Paul talked as if he was living in the last days. And I think it's good for us to think that we are living in the last days. But whether or not Jesus returns in my lifetime, Jesus has good wisdom for all of us here. We need to watch ourselves. We need to stand against temptation. Jesus understands that temptation is going to be ratcheted up as we get closer to the end. Jesus understands. I mean, Paul understood this, right? In 2 Timothy, he's just saying, here's what it's going to be like in the last days. Here's what it's, here's what it's going to be like. It's going to get, it's not going to get easier to be a believer. It's not going to get easier to stand with Christ. And you are going to be tempted. On one level, maybe it sort of depends. I think, I think we're all tempted to, to both of these things. But Jesus says there's, there's a couple of different kinds of temptation that comes toward us when we get stressed out with the cares of this world. When we get stressed out with the way this world is going. We're tempted towards on one hand, dissipation and drunkenness, which is just dealing with our stress in sinful ways, dealing with our fear in sinful ways, dealing with our panic in sinful ways, or, or dealing with our just our, our frustration with the futility of life, dealing with it in sinful ways. Dissipation is just a fancy word for, for sinful behavior. It's like, it's like turning to pornography or something when we are, when we are stressed out. Turning to alcohol when we are, or some other chemical when we are stressed out. Self-medicating in some sinful way. We abuse alcohol or some, something like that or we, Indulge in pornography. The cares of this life are just too much for us. And so we go into sinful behavior. Or, he says, maybe it'll just be the cares of this life. The, the, the stress and the anxiety of living as a believer as we get towards the end. It wears us down, so we turn to the cares of this life. We, we get lost in the details. Job, money, bills, appointments, sports, vacation, hobbies. We get lost in the details. But the cares of this life, none of it is automatically sinful, but it distracts us away from loving Jesus. It, gets, it distracts us away from standing with Jesus. Soon, we're not, we don't attend church. We hardly ever attend church. We're there once a month. We hardly ever have um, serious Bible conversations with our family. We, we can't remember the last time we tried to stir someone up to good works. Tried to help them in their, in, their, in their life following Jesus. We're doing nothing. And it's not because we're filling our time with 
alcoholism. It's, it's because we're filling our time with the cares of this life. It's so hard to make disciples. It's so awkward. It's so uncomfortable. It takes so much courage. And they're probably just going to reject us anyhow. It's easier to put all of my attention, all of my focus onto the things of this life. Jesus says you can get distracted away from obeying Me, away from making disciples, away from standing with Me, come what may. So He says, how do you you fight this temptation? He says, pray. 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 And then pray some more. Bow your head and pray. When, When temptation comes, bow your head. This is what Jesus did for us in the garden. When temptation came upon Him, Jesus bowed His head and prayed. And in obedience, He went to the cross so that He could be cursed for my sins, for your sins. Jesus knows what's coming. He knows what's coming. He knows when it's coming. So Jesus has fatherly wisdom for His followers throughout the ages here. He says to us, when trouble comes, keep your head. When persecution comes, surrender your head. When Jesus comes, raise your head. And when temptation comes, and it will come, bow your head. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank You for Your Word and we have, we have flown through a lot here. It's a lot for us to consider. We thank You. We, we, don't, know, we don't know what the news means. We look at the news and we don't know what it means. We don't, we don't know. We don't know. We can make some good guesses, but we don't know. But we do know that You know. God, You know. And then you're not caught, caught off guard when, when crazy sinful people do crazy sinful things. You're not panicking. Jesus said these things must take place first. This is going to happen. It's going to happen. Help us, God, just to, re- just to continue to calmly, patiently return to Your Word Believe what it says. Live according to it. Help us to believe Jesus is good. He is good. He is with us through His Spirit. He is giving us strength. He is giving us wisdom. We can trust Him come what may. And when we are (laughs) tempted... And when we are distracted, and instead of raising our heads, we're caught up in the the stuff of this world that will fade away soon, pray God that you would help us to fight against temptation, to to turn to you in prayer, to, to bow our heads in prayer. And help us to remember our great Savior who who walked boldly, humbly, 
into your wrath on the cross for our sin. Help us to trust you, come what may. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.